Welcome to Now I See, a place where people share their eye-opening moments and how it changed the way they see themselves, their world, and their place in it. We hope you'll be encouraged and inspired by the stories you hear and challenged to see things in a whole new way, too. Sit back and enjoy this show that we've prepared especially with you in mind. I'm your host, Kit McCarty. In commemoration of Veterans Day, it is an honor to have retired officer of the Navy, Galen Letty, as our guest today. Welcome, Galen. Uh, Glad to be here, Kit. Galen Letty is a decorated naval officer, having served three tours in the Naval Mobile Construction Battalion, better known as the Seabees. His honors include Army and Navy Commendation Medals, Navy Achievement Medals, Naval Reserve Meritorious Medals, an Outstanding Volunteer Service Medal, Navy Rifle and Pistol Expert Ribbons, and an Armed Forces Reserve Medal with Bronze Star and Silver Hourglass Device. Along with his units, he also received numerous awards, including the National Defense Service Medal, Iraq and Afghanistan Campaign Medals, and a Global War on Terrorism Medal. Galen married his high school sweetheart, and together they have two sons who, like him, earned the rank of Eagle Scout. One is a major in the Army, and the other is an Army medic, currently stateside after six months' deployment overseas. In civilian life, Galen is a licensed architect and interior designer. Galen, I see you as faithful, honorable, creative, resourceful, trustworthy, and a truth seeker. How do you see yourself? Pretty much the same. Good. (laughs) Uh, How do I see myself? Um, With my experience and all the things I've done, I see myself as a servant because all the things I've done um, serve country, uh, serve my clients, uh, serve my family. Mm-hmm. That's how I see it. It's it's all uh, a matter of service. When did servanthood become important to you? Probably from my father. Um, he was always uh, saying you should treat other people as you want to be treated. He was he was a very generous man, and he served in the Scouts. He served in the church. He served in the Kiwanis clubs, a lot of service organizations, and uh, that's where I, he served, and that's where I got by example. Well, and a lot of the attributes that I admire in you are um, certainly uh, espoused by the Boy Scout organization. And so loyal, trustworthy, true, <laughs> uh, those things, but also truth seeker. And that's uh, something that I also admire about you. You read a lot um, and listen a lot. And I really admire that. When did that become important to you? Reading would probably from my mom and dad. We always had reading materials. They encouraged reading. And that's just a habit I got into. I'd say a habit. That's what I enjoy reading. So um, this high sense of honor, this high sense of duty led you ultimately to military service. Um, But you weren't like most people. A lot of people um, enlisted either um, during high school or college, but not you. You waited until you were in your mid-30s. I Yes, I enlisted at 36, which was the cutoff for the Navy. Now, what prompted me... Yeah, what prompted you? <laughs> to, what prompted me to start looking? I really don't know. I've looked back. I've examined. I said, 
why did I start looking up recruiters? Why did I start looking up the requirements? Why did I even think of going there? And I don't know. This was 1992-1993. Maybe it was because I had, that's the year I got licensed, licensed in architecture and I got my interior designer license. And maybe I was looking for a challenge. I really don't know. That's interesting. So why the Navy? That was the only one that would take me at 36. <laughs> That's great. I thought you were going to say something about construction uh, because we do not live anywhere near water. <laughs> the, <so>. Army, <laughs> the Army cutoff at that time was 34, I believe, or 35. Uh, and I said, oops, I missed that one. Uh, I didn't want to go in the Air Force. And the Navy said, yeah, we'll take you at 36. And I started talking to the recruiter out here at the, the old Naval Air Station Dallas. So you've never served on a ship or in the water. Again, that just seems so funny to me. Tell me about some of the places where you have served. Oh, you know, the ugly places, Afghanistan and Iraq. Uh, and I have uh, built bridges, or we built a bridge down at Yuma, Arizona for the Border Patrol. Being the CBs and being Reserve CB Battalion, we really can't do construction on bases because of the Davis-Bacon Act, but we can do it for... Um, other governmental entities or charitable organizations. We have uh, built uh, schools on Indian reservations for the Indian reservations. I wasn't a part of that. Uh, we will go and participate in Operation Balcatan in the Philippines. We, uh, we constructed a, uh, a bathroom facility. Uh, we, uh, what else have we done? We lined a ditch in Douglas, Arizona for the Border Patrol again, or actually, it was for the Border Patrol because it flooded, so we lined it with concrete. Um, work projects like that is what we've done. Um, I have uh, been in Port Wanimi numerous times, Fort Hunter Liggett numerous times for field exercises, Camp Shelby, Mississippi numerous times for field exercises. Uh, field, oh, wait a minute, field exercises in hot, humid Mississippi for desert in <laughs> preparation August. in August. Okay, well, the heat, I see the heat. It was, <laughs> it was like 98 degrees and 98% humidity. humidity. It, was, uh. it was ugly. And that was, I, I call that, you know, the field exercise from heck. Until we did it again in February, and it was cold, cold. and wet. Oh, gosh. So... Camp Shelby's not the place you want to go for a field exercise. Clearly, no. But it must have served you well when you were in Afghanistan. It got stinking hot there, too. Yeah. Yes, it did. In, in Kevlar, carrying metal weapons and, you know, half your body Six, weight. And... 65 pounds worth of gear. <laughs> See? That's, that's just your vest <laughs> and your helmet. That's not the poor oh Marines gosh. who are humping their own backpacks is even more. Uh-huh. So, um, and yeah. the and the chicken you were going to cook for dinner, just cooking <laughs> right there in your backpack, ready, you know, by the end of the day. Oh my gosh, it's just so ridiculous. I you don't just, know how you, survived. you actually learned how to deal with it. Well, I can see the charm for you being involved in the construction battalion because you've always liked to work with your hands. You restore jeeps and you've built a lot of things. You you're always working on something around the house. Uh, was that rewarding for you to be able to work on those projects and lead groups of men to do that? This is probably uh, bordering on a, or stepping on another question you were going to go ask later. But I found that when I got in the CBs, which is a construction company for the Navy, 
that's the opposite side of my architect. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, bound, we're both sides of an equation. I found that out. That balances out my, my experience. Because as an architect, I can now tell a contractor, Mr. Contractor, Good. this is not the way you run a project. And let me tell you why. Good. And I can tell my guys, this is not the way you build it because you can't get a hammer in there. So I, I found that they were very um, complimentary. So you were an architect first. Was it hard to build to somebody else's plans? Let me tell you, I was a registered, licensed architect, and I was too old at 36 to go into a direct commission, go in as an officer. So I went in as a petty officer third class, which means I had a little bit of experience. Uh, I would not trade that for the world. Going in as enlisted, you know, working my way up the ranks, being awarded a, a warrant officer commission and then designated to lieutenant. You know, it, things I got to do things as a enlisted man that the officers only wish they could do. Mm. You know, I, mm. I got out there and I poured concrete. I got out there and swung a hammer. Yeah, uh, I got out there in, in construction. And then later on, I was able, they looked to me because I was the one who was doing the schedule or I was making the reports. And, uh, so I... I really, I wouldn't trade it for the world. No, it's very physically demanding, but you've always been kind of a physical guy. You were an athlete in high school. Um, and I'm going to guess that some of the training you received, you really leaned into because you like the physical challenge and you've maintained it outside of the military um, by doing basic training <laughs> um, exercises with your wife. So was oh, that fun? Um, just the physical challenge, the aspect of that? I'm not sure it was fun, uh, but having to face a physical requirements test and, and having to pass it every six months Oof. was definitely an incentive. Yeah. And as you go up in rank, uh, you're expected to, as a leader, to do well on the, the test. So my goal is always to make an outstanding um, a score so that... You're your leader. You can you do outstanding. I was horrible at the runs, but I could do great. Are you kidding me? No. You're like one of the fastest guys. No, 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 no. Oh, well, I remember you outrunning somebody in, they were in the, like their prime in high school, and he challenged you to race. It was a big mistake because you beat him. You beat him bad. Short distances, okay? okay? You, when you're running that, and the Navy makes you run a mile and a half, okay? I'm not great at a mile and a half. Well, you were the fastest people I've ever seen. The push-ups and sit-ups, uh, I would max out, and that would keep my score well. I would run well enough to get my score out to outstanding. So I would, that was that was always incentive to me to work out. And as well, I'm retired, I have not worked out as much. Well, because you're retired. <laughs> <laughs> but I imagine you're still using a lot of the training that you picked up over the years. Um, and I imagine being fit was also important um, as your sons became teenagers. Um, and just to show them discipline and hard work and to, um, you know, be able to work out with them was an advantage and helped you guys find together. On one, yes. On the other one, not so much. Oh, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> I should make no assumptions. I should make no assumptions. And let, and Except your sons did follow you into military service, not the Navy. Trey, uh, I, I was trying to get Trey in. I mean, we visited the Naval Academy. I had a project up at West Point. I go, you know what? We always need a backup plan. Sure. So I, I flew him up there while I was working the project, and he followed a cadet around for a day, and he 
at the end of the day, he goes, you know, I think I'm going to apply here too. Okay. He got appointments, or not, he got nominations for both, and uh, put his packets in, and then West Point came first. And I said, Navy's coming. Just wait, just wait. Navy's coming. I'm putting it in, Dad. So he put it in, and sure enough, about a week later or two weeks later, the Naval, you know, acceptance came in. So, uh, but he, um, after, after observing him and how well he does, and knowing all the things I know about what a naval officer, not a CB, a naval officer has to do and what his attitude, he did a lot, he would have done a lot better and has done a lot better as an infantry officer and on into an army officer. Brag on him. Hmm? Brag on him. I am going to brag on him. Yeah. And then I'm going to, on my youngest one, he's a combat medic and he cares for his soldiers. He's, he's knowledgeable. He thought it was cool whenever they were going to, they did, there's a rotation they go through where they actually serve in a hospital. He goes, yeah, man, I got to sit in on brain surgery. <laughs> I'm going, okay, that would sound cool to me. But, oh, man. no, that's fascinating. <laughs> that's so fun. I think they probably inherited their sense of adventure from you, too. Are you a thrill seeker? Not really. I'm re- very conservative. Um, but you don't shy away from a challenge. You don't. No, if I, no, I don't. Shy. If, you know, you throw a challenge up there, and mm-hmm. I'm looking. At, okay, how's the best way for me to get through this and and, and meet that challenge? Um, my first deployment, Kathleen looked over at me and says, "This is an adventure to you, isn't it?" <laughs> I said, "Yeah, sorta. You know, it's your first deployment. You're mm-hmm. scared. You know what's going to happen. You know, you're." You're getting prepared again. This is 2005. We're we uh, we're just invading Iraq as mm-hmm. we, about a year or so ago, and there's still it's still an uproar, and there's still things going on. So yeah, you don't know what to expect. You're a little I didn't little see antsy. that in you at all. Yeah, a little antsy, but you know, you yeah. looked eager to go. You were this ready is, to go. This, yeah, you were chomping is, at the bit, or at least that's how it seemed to me. Maybe that was your game face, but that's how it seemed to me. The um, I had a. a a commanding officer one time when I, at the end of a field exercise saying, uh, look, if you're willing to take the king's shilling, you should be willing to do his bidding. Yeah. And that's the way I always felt. Uh, whenever they told us that we may get activated back in, after 9-11, and some of us were immediately, uh, to say us, some of our battalion was immediately about, oh, an air debt which is about 90 guys, and they went to Fort Wernemey and then eventually said, no, we don't need you, you know, go back home. That's when it became real. And that, unfortunately, is when I saw a lot of guys in the reserves saying, I know what I signed up for. And I'm going, yes, you did, you big gobs of spit. <laughs> I was going to say, and you didn't so, back down. I wondered if no. you would because you had a son going off to college, but you still had one at home, still in school. You know, that's, I know, that was tough. It was tough on him, tough on Kathleen. It was tougher on Kathleen because we had dropped Trey off June 27th thereabout at West Point. And those those departures are tough. They are tough. They, uh, you're sitting in an auditorium. A cadet walks in and says, parents and cadets are parents and maybe selectees. I forgot what they used. You have 90 seconds to say goodbye. Oh. And you have 90 seconds to say goodbye. They line them up and march them off, and you don't see them again. That's right. Until later in the day, if you're hanging around, 
you may get to see them Maybe. parade past at a distance. Yeah, after I, all these bald heads and glasses, and you're going, is that mine? No, is that mine? Mm-hmm. No, and that's it. Mm-hmm. You don't talk to them till plea parent weekend, you know. Um, and then July third, which is just a few days later, I reported. So Kathleen was then. I mean, within a, a week, two weeks, she lost, you know, her son and her husband. Yeah, that was hard. That, that was, was hard. hard. That's right. Hard on her and hard on Drew. Drew, I think, because his big brother wasn't around anymore. Yeah. Not so much dad, I don't know. But. Mm. I imagine you saw guys who didn't get a lot of support serving alongside oh, yeah. you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, the first appointment was tough. Sure. Because you had to go through the Pentagon. You had to call. You had to get up at 2 o'clock in the morning, make a morale call through the Pentagon to to call back here, I believe it was five o'clock at that time. <laughs> and it was always cutting out. You'd get about uh, five minutes or ten minutes and click, so you'd call back through again and uh, and that and email. You could email. So Well Kathleen told me she started sleeping with her phone because she never <laughs> yeah. knew when a phone yeah. call would come through and she wanted to be there to get it. And she told the kids at, in school, if my phone rings and it's an you know the Pentagon, I'm at I'm out the door. So be yeah. prepared. Well, and she did support you. She sent lots of care packages oh, and yes. let us help. Starbucks coffee <laughs> <laughs> certainly benefited from, you know, <laughs> from us as we uh, sent that overseas. So we're going to take a break right now with our guest, Galen Letty. And when we come back, we're going to talk about specific aspects of his deployment and the things that he learned while he was overseas. feel blessed to live in the land of the free and the home of the brave, thanks to the sacrifices of so many wonderful veterans like our guest today, Galen Letty. When you visit our site at nis.media, you can search through our archives for more episodes perfect for sharing with your favorite veterans and the people who love and support them. Use our search tool to locate episodes featuring former Vietnam vet David Glazner, former Air Force officers Chris Galanos and Ted Van Landigam, former Marine Dick Woodward, as well as episodes with Gold Star Mother Donna McGrew, Blue Star Mother Susan Payne, and Patty Oska of Quilts of Valor. Feel free to leave comments for Galen and any of our former guests on our social media threads at Now I See Pod. Next week is National Collection Week for Operation Christmas Child. Visit our site, you can just click on the Featured Causes tab, or their site at SamaritansPurse.org to find out more about gift-giving and drop-off locations. Thanks to all of our friends who are making a difference in the life of a child in need this year. Thanks, too, to our longtime listeners for your support. We invite our new listeners to like and subscribe to our show and leave a good rating and review so others can find us too. Now, for more from our guest today, Galen Letty. Before our break, we were talking with our guest today, Galen Letty, about his deployment. So tell us, Galen, what were some things that you learned in deployment? I learned that... uh, your shipmate is your shipmate, and they will support you no matter what, and you support them no matter what, regardless race, creed, color, uh, 
our battalion was probably 50% maybe of Hispanic. Big deal. That's a very, very close friends. We have a lot of uh, black members that I guarantee you would step in front of a bullet and take one for me, and I would do the same. You learn that people are people regardless. I love that. I love that as well. That's why they call it brothers in arms. And I've heard some soldiers say they're still closer to their the people they served with than some of their own family and friends mm-hmm. before they deployed. It's because you depend upon it. First of all, it's a team building. I sure. mean, you're built as a team. As the military builds you as a team. And then as you go through common experiences, that that builds you even more. Common stressful experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, we had to run convoys for get our building materials to our far sites, and, and we had a convoy escort team. They were they were tough. They were, you know, they trained together before we deployed. They slept in their trucks. They uh, they hung out together off, uh, when they were down when they had downtime, which was not much. You know, it was a very stressful time. They got uh, they got hit. We had no casualties, you know, but they got hit. So the, you go through those times, and those guys are tight, you know, tighter than most. I have a uh, my master chief. You know, he and I were in operations, and. Uh, you know, we put in some long days, some tough times. You know, we, we ran together. Uh, still to this day, we're checking on each other. I love that. Another another senior chief of mine came in from supply. He was helping us get our supplies together. Um, I would not chair, trade Larry Johnson for anything. Both those guys were in my retirement, too. Love that. So, yeah, love that. they're... You do brothers in arms, and then to you uh, once you've realized that and you see that, you tend to notice other veterans also. You'll see them, you'll see their hat, you'll nod at them and say, "How you doing?" I had my CB sweatshirt on the other day in uh, Home Depot. Guy said, "You a CB?" Yeah, what? Well, that's a bosun mate. Hey, Bo, nice. how are you? Yeah. So because you've gone through common experiences for the most part, maybe not. <laughs> well, uh, exactly. And so a lot of people find it very hard to tr- transition back into civilian life. Everything's different. You know, this, it's one way. There are a certain level of expectations. Um, there are certain things that you're trained to handle. Your mission is very clear. Um, and so a lot of guys really um, highly value their time of service. It's very hard when they leave. And now they, they have to make their own decisions. It's in a different environment, and there's not as much pressure. Um, and some people just uh, have a difficult time transitioning. Did you? Let me start out saying military service marks you. It does. It you are you're changed. Kathleen said I came back changed every time from a deployment a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I don't think I never had the PTSD type of change. I was never hyper vigilant. I was mm-hmm. I never had problems mm-hmm. sleeping. Yes, Kathleen, I can fall asleep. <laughs> That's probably a result of the yeah, Navy and so. military. I think so. You sleep uh, when you can. <laughs> sleep on the floor, no sure. problem. Um, but other guys, uh, it, it's just individual, you know. Um, it uh, with the adrenaline going all the time, like those. Um, mm-hmm. I was talking about mm-hmm. the the convoy teams. Yeah. yeah, some of those guys 
you know, suffered, but they, uh, they got the right counseling. They talked to the right people. Yeah. Uh, part of the thing that the Navy did and they did right was once we came out of the war zone, we, we would go to Kuwait and we would be there. At least my experience, um, we were, we were housed there for about a week. It gave us time to talk things over, you know, sure. you know, really, you know, well, this happened to me. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Or this is what I saw when that happened. Um, that, that helped us to, to settle down and talk things out and, and work things out. So we came home, things were a little bit cooler. And then on my last deployment, they had a warrior transition. We were actually supposed to have classes and talk things out again a week. It was in Germany, which is nice. Yes. <laughs> uh, and, and, and that you just work things out. Um, with today's military, where you can be in a war zone one day and, you know, the next day or day after that, be home and, and trying to make sense of things doesn't work as well as it used to in World War One and Two where you're over there as a group and you come back as a group on this big ship and it takes a while to get It home takes a while, and, yeah. And you can work things out. And, uh, they're try- they, I think they understand that and trying to work it out that way. Um, I don't think it transitions now as well as it was whenever things are ramped up. Just judging from what mm-hmm. uh, my son you know, came home, and as far as I know, they had no transition time. Mm-hmm. They just wow. came straight from overseas to... Wow. Home and boom, you're there. They did get block leave, but again, that's that's not like sitting and talking to people, yeah. working things out. You said that your service time marked you. In what ways? I am very impatient with people who don't have good situation awareness. Good. I that's hate standing in line. As Kathleen. <laughs> did you mind before? I've never liked no. it, and I've never served a day in the military. No, and... Um, it's because in the military you stand in line for everything. For everything you stand in line to get shots. You stand in line to see the doctor. You stand in line to go eat. You stand in line to wash your hands. You stand in line to go to the restroom, take a shower, and it. I don't know. Just I hate standing lines. Mm-hmm. I guess half me. I start getting sweaty and and then hmm. I don't know if angry, just perturbed. Uh, and um, and I guess because. Of our, our armor always had to go head neck always around the neck. Whenever and because it was hot, you just you just sweat. I that happens to me at the barber. When oh, they, when they oh, put that thing funny. around your neck, I start to, you know sweating, going, "Sorry, it's not you." Yeah. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's funny. Just psychosomatic. Just... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wet the day you sent us a package from, and I don't remember if you were in Iraq or Afghanistan, um, but you sent us something that was sealed in plastic, and it was full of sand. And that's when I realized there was never a moment in your life while you were there that you didn't have sand. You'd go and take a shower, and you were dirty before you got out. You'd go to brush your teeth, and you'd be brushing your teeth with sand. You'd go to take a bite of food, and there'd be sand on it. It was really more of a dust. Uh, it wasn't sand. It was dust. Well, I thought that's as close as I'll ever be to Middle Eastern soil. So thank you for that. But I thought, how in the world, how in the world did you, you know, adjust you to that? You sort of got used to it. You know, that's why I cut my hair short to this day. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, so um, having become a veteran, how has that changed Veterans Day for you? Even before 
I was retired. Uh, Veterans Day was special because you saw the guys who have gone before. Yeah. You know, the Vietnam veterans, my head is up to them because they would go over there. I mean, I thought my place was nasty and ugly. You know, the, the jungles of Vietnam they were awful. Were awful. Not only that, there were things out there that would eat you. Of course. I didn't have that problem in the desert. Yeah. Yeah, it was dangerous in so many ways. The climate was hostile. The enemy, of course, was hostile, um, and and it was the they faced hostility when they came home. Yeah. I mean, there was that no was relief from the that. Yeah. I mean, we we uh, were in a similar situation. Is that we didn't blend in? You know, the Afghani's yeah, right. and Iraqis, um, even though they're a little bit darker skinned, you know, we just don't blend in. Of course, even even the guys with beards uh they know who the americans are and it that culture i uh you know i looked at these people and for the most part most the majority of those people are moms and dads and they want to work and be able to supply for their kids and have their kids go to education and be able to sleep at night without having to worry about you know somebody knocking that door down or they're just people like that and they just unfortunately have a system of government and religion that keeps them back well said well said you know it's still it's still people and i imagine um that was both good and bad um hard to fight against people but what a treasure to get to meet some of them and work alongside some of them as you did and to realize they're just people Mm -hmm. they're just people just like us we uh constructed a bridge on the second point we constructed a bridge over the Tarnak River because a, a suicide bomber had blown mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. the existing bridge. So we were overbridging it with, with a prefabricated bridge. And uh, we did that with Canadians and with an ANA, uh, Afghani National Army Engineering Group. So you know, we got to meet those guys and talk to them. And, yeah, they're just normal guys. they you know, learning how to do stuff mm-hmm. for the most part. Mm-hmm. And following orders, and following just like orders, you were. That's right. And so they were, they were happy when they got, like us, they were, we all took pictures <laughs> when that bridge is done. Okay. <laughs> amazing that you got accomplished something together, such different people and able to work together. It's amazing. So um, this program is airing right before Veterans Day. What words would you say to veterans who will hear this show? Well done, vets. Thank you for your service, brothers. Uh, seek out one another. Uh, love on one another and be proud of your service. Amen. Well said. What advice would you give to people who are considering enlisting in the military? Do your homework. Decide what you want to do. Uh, Recruiters lie. (laughs) You heard it here. (laughs) They will tell you, they will sell you the moon. uh, And when you get there, find out, oops, no, I'm sorry, needs of the Army, you're going to go here, or needs of the Navy, you're going to go here. Um, I would do it for uh, if just for the experience I think everybody needs to serve the country in one fashion I think so too even if it's the Peace Corps you need to serve the nation for uh, for something bigger than yourself and try to uh, try to help others uh, the military is uh, they'll they'll be part of the team. I mean, that's why they call it uniform services. Sure. And it's not about you as much as the, 
military is beginning to become a social experiment, it's still not about you. You want the military to be the meanest, nastiest, ugliest, break down doors, blow up things because they're protecting you. You know, that uh, may upset some folks. That's just the purpose of the military. It's not supposed to be a social experiment. Well, one of the things that I've always admired about the military is that it teaches people it isn't about you. This is, we're, we're all working together for something bigger than ourselves. So how can civilians show their support for the military? Join. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> because if less than a half a percent of the civilians ever serve in the military, it's going to be a continuing widening gap between mm -hmm. military knowledge and uh our military experience and civilian experience. Uh, we saw that happening in Vietnam. Yeah. Uh, people were, you know, leaving the country to, to avoid service or, you know, staying in college when they wouldn't want to stay in college just to avoid service. Uh, but uh, I'd, I'd say join. And if you can't join too old, then um, thank uh, veterans don't um, don't use the old pat. Thank you for your service. Go meet them, talk to them, find out their experiences. Mm, good. Yeah. Say, good. hey, what would you serve? Whenever I find it, whenever I say an old, especially an old CB, I mean, where's your battalion? You know, or, or what unit were you with? Mm. I love that because um, a lot of veterans are very proud to wear their hats or, or still um, jackets or shirts that indicate their branch mm -hmm. of service. And so they're easy to identify. They're, they're <laughs> easy to identify. It's, you know, easy okay, to identify. granted, some, some are a little bit more flashy yeah. and out there than well, others. That's just people. Yeah, it's just You people. know, you can say that about anybody. Yeah. So if the guy, you know, has a big decorated hat, that didn't turn me off. It's, they, uh, they deserve most of those things for the most part. I think military service refines a person in so many ways. If you were a patriot before, you're so much more now. If you were a team player before, you're so much more now. Um, and, and it probably scrapes away a lot of um, things uh, that maybe you weren't as disciplined before, but you are now. Um, and so it really does shape and refine you. It, it shapes you and refines you in some areas that you don't realize till later. Kathleen said I would start cleaning out my drawers because I didn't need all those clothes. I've yeah. been living with three uniforms, you know, seven pair of underwear for a year. I don't what I need this stuff for. And I would just start cleaning out my drawers. That's great. You know, I think we should all live lighter than we do. I sure yeah. do. Um, well, as we close out our show today, is there anything you'd like others to see more clearly as a result of our conversation? Yes. Um, as a Christian, God is in control. I would not have been able to serve when I served. I believe that I was able to sign up at the age of 36 for a reason. Mm. I was able to go overseas for a reason. I was able to serve for a reason. I was uh, The church gave me a letter and let me serve as a lay leader all three deployments. So I was able to serve with the worship team or, or support the chaps. Nice. Um, But all my experiences came through the fingers of God. He approved and said, this can happen, both good and bad. Uh, 
So I have no regrets. I've learned regrets are, are just words of Satan to mm-hmm. make you feel guilty. Mm-hmm. I have had learning experiences. <laughs> but I'm I sure you have. I don't feel guilty about the learning experiences. Mm-hmm. I just take them and go on. Um, and I learned you can always learn from somebody. Even if you don't like them, you can learn something from somebody because they have a different point of view. They have different talents than you do. Some of my, I had a, a vile XO on my second appointment. Uh, as an officer, he, he personified a cursing sailor. Oh, so funny. But, and I really, and he was not that loving, not that nice. I learned some things from him. That's because you're a truth seeker. You're a good listener. You're a good observer. Well, this has been so much fun. I'm so grateful for the gift of time that you've given today and for the gift of your service uh, for many years to our country. I'm so grateful for you and for our friendship that has spanned the years. And uh, so thank you, uh, Officer Letty, and happy Veterans Day. Thank you, kid. I appreciate it. We're so glad you were able to join us for today's compelling story. You can find out more about our guest today by reading our show notes or visiting our website, nis.media. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Special thanks to the team at Headset Radio for their technical expertise and to Becky Salazar for our bumper music. See you next week.